When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This podcast is about your future. What if the next years of your life can be the best years of your life? When full-time work becomes optional, you'll have the time to do all the things you've always wanted to do. If only you had the time. And soon you will. But to make the most of it, you'll need to be well-prepared, and that goes well beyond your financial planning. Each week, your host, Joe Casey, is inviting you into conversations with his guests to bring you insights, inspiration, and practical ideas to design your new life, a life you'll build around what matters most to you and on your own terms. Let's get started. Very aware that not everyone in our listening audience is married. But if you are, I think you'll be really interested in today's conversation. A number of years ago, you may have read or been familiar with a book called The Go-Giver. It was written by Bob Berg and John David Mann, New York Times bestseller, national bestseller. Well, it turns out that John David Mann and his wife, Anna, began thinking at the time that that book was published, actually when the draft was completed, about co-writing a book that focused on applying those same principles to marriage. And now they've co-authored a book called The Go-Giver Marriage, a little story about the five secrets to lasting love. I'm thrilled to be able to speak with Anna Gabriel Mann today. She holds a master's degree in clinical psychology and dance movement therapy from Antioch, New England, where she specialized in working with adults and family therapy. In addition to her work in family therapy and five secrets marriage coaching, she served as a clinical director for a support program for families caring for loved ones with Alzheimer's disease, co-founded New England's first college of Chinese medicine, and worked as a corporate consultant, speaker, trainer, and business coach. She is the creator and lead facilitator of the Go-Giver Marriage Coaches Training Program. She joined us today from my home state of Massachusetts, and in particular, with a backyard view, spectacular view, of the university where I met my wife 44 years ago. We just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary last month. Thanks for joining us, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. So many people who are listening know the Go-Giver books, but for those who might not, could you please tell us a bit about the Go-Giver series and how this book, The Go-Giver Marriage, came to be, which I understand goes all the way back to the beginning. Well, the Go-Giver, the original Go-Giver was written in collaboration with Bob Berg and my husband, John Mann. And the two of them had been both very successful in business. And Bob has been 
a coach to executives and to salespeople for many, many years. And over the course of their work, both of them came up with the understanding and the concept that being somebody who's generous, who's adding value to the lives of others, and who's really not giving away the farm in terms of, of fees or, or freebies or things like that, but rather just being a very generous person, really adds value in a way that people start to know you, like you, trust you, and it builds your practice by referral because people are like, oh, you need to know Bob, you need to know John. And so the two of them decided to write a parable. John is really the, the writer. So as, as he's written many parables with many wonderful authors. And so that book not only took off, it became a phenom. It's in like 28 or 30 languages translated around the world. And it's sold well over a million copies and has been just a very, very successful book. After it came The Go-Giver Leader, they wrote a book on sales as well about being a go-giver. And then Bob was really very much, his theme is influence. How do you really gain influence? And so they wrote The Go-Giver Influencer. And we had this dream from the original Go-Giver. Because of my practice as a therapist, we decided this would be an incredible book about marriage. And so we've been dreaming about The Go-Giver Marriage now for close to 20 years. Well, the book shares five secrets in two parts, the parable, as you mentioned, but also the practices, emphasizing that love isn't a feeling, it's a practice. Why are mindsets and behaviors so important in enduring long-term relationships? That's a really big question. <laughs> mindsets are everything, because here's one of the things that happens in every relationship. You meet, you're in this kiss of romance. It's really amazing. You think, I have found my soulmate. But the truth is, you're all bringing your history. She is bringing her history. You are bringing your history. And whatever that history was from your initial family will start to seep into the relationship. And some people call it after the honeymoon's over. But it really is the day-to-day, -day, who are you as a person? And how do you relate in relationship? Did you have a critical parent? And now you've become a critical partner? Are you a critical parent yourself? It always, that history is reflecting in our relationships. So mindset's incredibly important and intentionality is incredibly important. I tell people often in my coaching practice, you know, you have to decide who do you want to be in this relationship? Do you want to be the, the bitchy person with your hands on your hips? Or do you want to be the gentle and understanding partner who brings a level of compassion and understanding? And it doesn't mean you put up with terrible things, but it does mean that you are willing to step into your own maturity in a way that really benefits you and the relationship. As a reader, I thought a key part of your book is about growth, growth in people as individuals and growth in the relationship together. What have you noticed fosters growth and what gets in the way? Oh, again, a great question. I think that the fifth secret, which is about growing, is perhaps the most important secret of all. And I love the Every go-giver book, the first four secrets are, or laws or habits are always about giving. But the fifth secret or habit is always about giving to yourself. It's always paradoxical. So in the original go-giver, it's about receptivity. You can't just give from an empty wagon. You also have to be willing to receive. 
in the go-giver marriage, the fifth secret is about growing because so often people lean into the marriage and they really look to get their needs met from their partner. And they maybe are busy raising kids and keeping the home going and they're neglecting their own personal growth, their own development. They're neglecting and putting on hold. Oh, maybe later I will go back and pursue this. But right now I'm going to just be here. It doesn't mean that you can't grow while raising little children. You can grow in incredible ways continually. Continual learning is the most important thing in life. But at the same time, when you stagnate or don't let your growth continue and you lean into the relationship in order to get your needs met, eventually you are more empty and the the other partner is more full because they've been out in the world, they've been doing things, and you lose your perspective on what you have to bring to the relationship. When you're constantly growing and learning, you have something new to bring to the relationship every day. So you mentioned the fifth secret. I was wondering if you could take a look at the other four and just tell me which one you think to be most critical or perhaps the most challenging and just your thoughts on it. I'll do both. I'll give you the one that I I think is really critical, or at least it's a very significant one. It, It changes marriages very quickly. And that is appreciation. You know, when you're a young child and you have a grandparent who says, look at you, you read that book all by yourself. And a parent who says, wow, you are such a big boy or big girl. And I am so proud of you. You just like are taller. You're immediately like, yeah, I got it going on. And mom thinks so. It's the most important thing to be witnessed. It is something that people want so desperately. They'll work for free to be acknowledged. And acknowledgement can never be underestimated because it's a lifelong need. There's childhood developmental needs, and then there's adult developmental needs, and they aren't too dissimilar. People still have that narcissistic need to be seen, to be witnessed, to be understood, and to be heard. And so the first secret, which is appreciation, is a simple one. It's take three to four opportunities every day to observe something about your partner that you appreciate and love, and then to tell them that, to take the time to stop them in their tracks. And we're not talking about passing phrases like, gosh, you're looking pretty today, hon. That's a really nice thing to say to your partner. But at the same time, it's a passing comment. It's not really one of those like stop you in your tracks. I really, when I listen to you talk to our children, I feel so grateful that you're their mother. You have so much understanding and you're just so present with them. That's the kind of thing that makes you go, wow, yeah. And when appreciation is not only authentic, but constant, and in, in our relationship, John and I, it's, it's so present and so authentic that it, it actually creates a whole new sense of your sense of self. Who am I in the world is really built by the people around us. And yes, it shouldn't be entirely built by the people around us. We really have to hold our self-esteem on our own. But at the same time, when you have somebody who's rooting for you and telling you all the ways that they appreciate you and think you're terrific, it's very powerful. And I just got a letter from a woman in Zurich, Switzerland. She found the book at an expat bookstore in Switzerland. And she said to me, as she wrote, she said, I was blown away by the book first, but second, I put all the secrets in place. And within 10 days, my husband was literally 
They've been married 24 years. She said, my husband was following me around the house saying, what are you up to? (laughs) (laughs) You're changing. Something's going on. You're being so sweet to me. I mean, it was like, she said, it's not like I'm not normally sweet to him, but she said, I was really appreciating him. I was really believing in him, letting him know all the ways that I see him. So that's the first that I would say is very powerful. The second, which I really love as well, but it's a difficult secret for people to wrap around, is the third secret. And it's called the secret to allow. Now, a lot of people will say, allow? What do you mean? What am I allowing? Am I allowing bad behavior? Am I allowing them to skate and never pick up the house? What am I allowing? We like to say that that everyone wants to see their marriage as a 50-50 negotiation, and they're always looking for it to be fair. And so people have what we call the little scorekeeper, and they pull it out when it's convenient. And yet there's nothing fair about marriage. There will be moments when one or the other of you is sick, one or the other of you has a broken leg, something catastrophic has happened to one of your children, and you are both frantically worrying. There's going to be times when there's terrific challenges. And while you may be in a hum of she does this and I do that, and that's kind of the balance of the relationship, when she suddenly has a compound fracture in her leg and can't get a glass of water across the room and no longer can make dinner, you might have to pick up the slack. And that's what allow really is. It's allowing for the fact that there will be moments where you have to pull more weight in the relationship in order to keep the household running, in order to keep the kids on track. And sometimes it just isn't fair. She just might not be able to do those things or he might not be able to. People lose their jobs. Their parent suddenly is sick and they've got to go to another state and take care of them. Things happen. And you have to be willing to cover the territory, pick up the slack and allow for that. So that's that secret. We call it the for better or for worse, the for richer, for poorer, (laughs) in sickness and in health secret. Just making a note of all the places that I have to some making up to do. <laughs> I also appreciate reading that each of the secret has an opposite. And I'm wondering, what's your favorite opposite? My favorite opposite goes with secret number one. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because it's so dominant in marriages across the world. And that is criticism. Now, John Gottman calls criticism one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I was Gottman trained 35 years ago. So I have a great deal of regard and respect because he is the only researcher worldwide who has really done research and on what makes marriages tick. I also have studied with Helen and and Harville Hendricks. And so I have a great deal of, of respect for that, that criticism can dominate sometimes. I call it the, the gift that keeps on giving because when you criticize, you tend to you know, have a habit where you're kind of just picking at the thread of a sweater and eventually you unravel it. A lot of times criticism is born out of control. People want to be in control. And so they're using criticism as a way to try to get their spouse to understand that the dishes need to be dried this way or the kitchen needs to be put back together this way. But it's when you're taking every opportunity to sort of pick at the way things were done, and try to improve your spouse, you aren't improving your spouse. You're actually causing intimacy to back up. Because what happens when a spouse is criticized, even four or five times a week, they step back from you. 
they're more cautious with you. They are less intimate, less affectionate. And so people often say, well, you know, I've been kind of that girl with my hands on my hips for a lot of years. How do I change this? And one of the things that we love to share with people is that this is behavioral. The way you change it is by replacing it with the habit of appreciation. Because in order to appreciate every day, you have to actually be paying attention and looking for the things that you appreciate. And nothing is too small. I mean, I thank John almost every week because I never have to take out the recycling or the trash. He empties the trash in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the kitchen. He'll consolidate them all and take the trash out, you know? And it's like, isn't it nice to have an empty wastebasket in the bathroom? <laughs> it's like, so it's the, the little things, but the little things are big. And when you get appreciated for them, John has a famous phrase. He's like, I'm like a good Labrador. I like <laughs> to do a good job, but I love getting patted on the head. And so, you know, we laugh out loud. Sometimes we're out with other friends and we're talking about the book and he'll share the ways the secrets affect him. He's like, when she tells me, thank you for taking the trash out, I'm like, yeah, I'm the trash man. You know? <laughs> it's a great, we have a lot of fun with it. But he also thanks me for so many things. I will, he's in the, in the throes of a novel right now and he is working really hard to finish it. And so I'm shopping, I'm cooking. I'm doing things that we often share, but right now he's in a crunch mode. And so I'm just picking up the slack, you know, it's like, I love to cook and he loves to eat. As you mentioned, the little things aren't so little. They really aren't. And when it comes to keeping a house, if you have children and only one person is really bearing the brunt of the kids, the house, so many different levels of that. And if they're also working, it can get very stressful. And so it's important to just be able to have sane conversations and in allow, the opposite of allow is control. And I, I think that to just expand that secret a little more, it is about allowing for the things that will be hard and the times that will be tough, but it's also about letting go of your sense of control, of having to control things, because sometimes the house is going to be a mess. You've got three kids underfoot and you're both working. You know, you got to relax. And at the same time, it's important for you to be able to sit down and have sane conversations about what's needed without it getting heated, without it getting turning into blame and shame. And you mentioned appreciation. And one thing I notice in the work I do is I never hear complaints from people about getting too much appreciation. Please stop the compliments. Please stop the appreciation. But I'm wondering what's the difference between a compliment? And appreciation. A compliment is that passing moment of like, you're looking good today, babe. It definitely matters. There's not, we're all in our 60s and my husband still tells me I look good. And that's a really sweet moment when you, you're just getting that vote of confidence. Because I think for women over 50, there are those moments where you look in the mirror and you go, oh my goodness, what's happened to me? At the same time, I think that a deep appreciation is really taking that time to be authentic and sincere and to say it in a fuller way. I believe John is a really, truly brilliant writer. And for anyone that reads this parable, the parable was written entirely by him. We actually collaborated on what the secrets would be. And I wrote the second half of the book, which is the, what does it really mean developmentally? How do you put it into action in your relationship? What does it mean psychologically? But I tell him all the time, 
that not only do I appreciate what a brilliant writer he is, but that, you know, he's constantly right. He's written over 30 books. You know, it's like a, a major career for him. And he provides for us in a way that is just makes my life very easy. And it's like when people understand and know that you appreciate the way that they take care of you, it really makes them want to take care of you more. And so I often really try to spend a great deal of focus on that with people, helping them to really just kind of explore the ways that they appreciate their spouse. So is love blind? Love is not blind. (laughs) It's a great line from the book. Love is not blind. Love, in fact, illuminates. Because love uncovers all the ways that you are not whole. And some people think that's a terrible thing. But one of my mentors, Terry Real, actually wrote a book on men and depression. Because in our society, it's not really allowable for men to be depressed. And the book is called I Don't Want to Talk About It. He wrote it 20 or 25 years ago. And it was a groundbreaking book for me in my discovery and understanding that a lot of men are walking around depressed, but they, they don't share it. They don't say it. They don't express it. They don't go to therapy. They're just grinding through, but they're grumpy. They're irritable. They're withdrawn in their relationships. There's ways that they're just not functioning on all their, with all their jets, so to speak. And that's all gets exposed in a marriage. And Terry grew up with a father who was not only abusive, but deeply critical and abusive. I mean, he really was, grew up under a dark cloud. And when you grow up that way, you don't have the possibility of being successful in a, in a relationship because you're so broken yourself. And so that's, for me, the illumination is, is that all the little places whether you've got a little touch of OCD or you're a little neurotic about the house or whatever it is that you've got going on, it's going to get exposed. And so that's what love really does. It illuminates, it opens up, but it also, for me, just as equally illuminates all the ways that this person is brilliant, amazing, incredible, creative. And that touches on another secret, which is the secret of believe. And it's important to believe in your spouse, to really be the person that when they've fallen down and are really not feeling, you know, their self-esteem's in the dumpster, maybe they've lost a job, maybe they're experiencing erectile dysfunction, whatever it is, you're the person who can shore them up. You're the person who knows who they really are. And I remember many years ago, as I was approaching childbirth, I had a woman friend who said to me, because I was sharing that I was a little nervous about going into labor. And she said, you're going to be great. And I said, why do you say that? She goes, if you need anything during childbirth, it'll only be a reminder of who you are, because who you are is powerful, who you are is capable, and who you are is, you know, you're strong. You've got this. And I remember being so buoyed by that, just like that sense that she believed in me and that she knew I was going to be fine. And so it's the same in a partnership. It's really important. Can't, enough can't be said about it. Appreciate all that. So you're a clinically trained therapist as well as a coach. I was wondering, if, could you share the coach, excuse me, could you share the coaching model that you've created? Well, the coaching model is really kind of a life coaching model with this sort of therapy side to it. I guess I'll say that. 
I feel like the fifth secret is super important. So always in my coaching, I'm really working to help this person define who do you want to be in the world? Where do you want to go? What do you want to accomplish? And let's really get clear on some goals that are going to take you from here to there so that you can start to expand your horizons and really open up. Who are you? What are you doing in the world? That's amazing. Because each one of us is so gifted and so unique and so powerful, but we often just need to be reminded and we need somebody who can help us with those action steps. How are we getting there? So that's a big piece. And in that whole model of grow, I have sort of eight spokes to a wheel. And I really help people evaluate sort of what's missing and as well, what's missing in your relationship. Because the five secrets are a part of that. How do you appreciate your spouse? But it might also be, how do you appreciate your coworkers or your employees? I was recently coaching a very successful lawyer with a big law firm. And she said to me, I don't spend any time appreciating my employees. And I said, well, let's make that a goal. Let's work on that for a couple of weeks. And she said her practice not only turned around, but she started doing these in-services about you know, ways that they could build each other and build the practice. And, and she said she started really publicly complimenting people that were doing a terrific job inside of her practice. And she said the feedback, she had somebody come to her and say, I was thinking about making a career change and get and leaving the practice. And I just feel so close to you and so bonded to the way that you perceive my complete commitment to this, that I'm going to stay for another two years and really just like, let's take this practice to the next level. And she said it was mind-blowing. It was just using one secret in her practice. So they apply to everywhere. And I told you before we came on air that John and I plan to write another book called The Go-Giver Parent. And the reason that we want to write it is because in my coaching, I really, really try to work with the five secrets with parents because your children will grow to be developmentally so powerful and so capable if you really engage these five secrets. If you believe in them, if you allow for their mistakes, if you attend to them in ways that are really authentic to what they need, and if you're appreciating them, not only are they going to grow into amazing individuals, but I have another parent that I worked with for two years as a client who has now her her 18-year-old daughter in coaching with me only to work on where does she want to go? What does she really want her college life and her next four years to look like? What does she want to accomplish? Where is she going with this? And I feel like it's like incredible. It's just an incredible opportunity. There are so many ways for these principles and practices to be applied as you're, you're helping, helping us see. It's great to hear. So writing a book is an adventure. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you, both you and your husband have written many books. He's over 30. What was it like writing one together? And what did you learn about each other? I'm, I'm smiling broadly and laughing because we've had podcast hosts say, so was it like remodeling a kitchen? Did you almost get divorced? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the truth is, we've both been writing. I've been writing professionally for many, many years, and John has too. So we're both fairly good writers. Writing together was like, okay, what are we going to do? I was really clear that there had to be a second half to the book that explained it. It couldn't just, you know, all the other go-giver books are a parable that ends at the end of the parable. 
with maybe questions for book clubs at the end and maybe just a few answers from the authors or a discussion with the authors, but nothing of real substance on the back end. So John thought I was going to write something that would be maybe six to eight to 10 pages long. (laughs) And the second half of the book is a full 50% of the book because I felt it was so important that the opposites, if you're somebody where criticism is kind of taking over your relationship, that's going to tear it down over time. And if you don't understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you can shift it. So it's packed with client stories really wonderful client stories, people that allowed me to use a different name and to use their stories. And so that's, I think the two of us not only didn't struggle, but it was just a riot when I would send over, we were in two different offices writing away and I'd send over my daily draft and he'd send over his and he'd be like, wow, this is much richer than I thought it would be. Wow. (laughs) This is really, this is deeper than I thought it would be. And he'd be like, you know, just very excited by it. So it was actually joyful. We had a really good time. When it comes to editing, I give him complete control because he's a brilliant editor. So in fact, on his novels and on all of his books, he turns in books that barely need editing at all when he turns them into publishers. And publishers are always raving about working with him because there's not any typos. The books are in perfect shape. He's kind of precision that way. And that's our secret insider joke about his particular style of editing. So I'm wondering what advice would you offer people listening who may have been through divorce? Ooh, really great question. John and I have both been through divorce and I love sharing that. And I, I feel that in my work as a therapist and as a coach, authenticity around my own journey of having a divorce is very important because I do coach lots of people that have been divorced. And I feel that it is not a badge of dishonor. It is in fact, a learning experience. And often it's a refreshing moment of people actually making the decision to grow and to take care of themselves, because perhaps they married at 19 and they've been in a mildly abusive relationship while they were raising children. And they've decided that they can't take it anymore and that it's time to move forward. The fastest demographic of people in different age brackets getting divorced is people in the 45 to 65 range. And even as late as 70, people getting divorced because they've raised their kids, they've spent a number of years together, and they've decided that they really don't want to continue, that this is not the person they want to grow old with. And I think that in its best opportunity, I like to encourage people to either have a coach or get into therapy when they're divorcing, because my therapist really helped me to unwrap what had really happened in the relationship and to understand the impact it had on me and to sort of rebuild my sense of self so that I was moving forward in a much more whole way. And I think that those are invaluable moments of learning and insight and opportunities for growth. Appreciate that. And last question, if I could, I have a link to the book, and that's the best way to get started. But even if someone didn't want to wait until they read the book, what's one thing that they could apply from this conversation today to get started with using the principles and practices of the go-giver marriage? I would say appreciate. Start appreciating your spouse, appreciating your children, appreciating your coworkers, 
just go on a little fest of appreciating people around you and look for the things that you really genuinely do appreciate. It's a gratitude practice, if you will be straight up. When you're appreciating people, you're letting them know the ways you're grateful for them. And you might have a right-hand person, an administrator in your office that takes care of so many details for you. And attending is another one. You know, it's like maybe you buy her a scarf or drop some flowers on her desk and just take a minute to say, I saw these on the way to work. And I just want you to know, you're just like, I couldn't even do this without you. You're just so key to who I am in this practice and in this work. And, you know, you put a smile on someone's face and you make them know that they matter. And again, it's really about the heart. It's like we all need to know how much we matter. Well said. And it's a great point about it being a gratitude practice, which indicates that it's mutually beneficial. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you for coming and sharing the secrets with us. Been a great conversation and really enjoyed the opportunity to read the book and to talk with you today. Thank you so much. This has been really a fun conversation, Joe. Time for takeaways, practical ideas that you can put in place and add to your to-do list following this conversation today. Number one, who do you want to be in this relationship now? Great question that Anna posed, and it leads to her point on mindsets, mindsets being everything. How are you showing up to the relationship? How do you want to show up to the relationship going forward? Number two, bring your A-game. There are five secrets and practices in this book, and I'll be working on all of them. However, there are two she mentioned that you can start with right away, and they both begin with A, acknowledgement and appreciation. It doesn't take much to do it, but it does take awareness, effort, and practice, and it takes the right mindset. So cultivate that mindset. Start focusing on opportunities for genuine acknowledgement and appreciation. Number three, understand and do the practices, but also understand and be aware of their opposites. So for example, one of the opposites she mentioned was criticism. So be aware of that if that is something you tend to fall into, but also give yourself grace and your partner grace if you choose, and I hope you do, to work on these five practices and being aware of their opposites. Perfection is not the goal, but continuing to grow individually and together as a couple is. Highly recommend this book. You'll see a link to the book and the website in the show notes. And there's also a link for those of you who might want to be coaches in the training program that Honor runs. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You can see at a glance all five seasons of our episodes at our website, retirementwisdom.com. Thanks for listening. Just one more thing before you take off. Is it time to design your new life after you graduate from the world of full-time work? Go to retirementwisdom.com and schedule a call today with Joe Casey. Working with an experienced coach like Joe can help you explore new possibilities and gain clarity on your future. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. See you next week.
Save big this summer with great deals, all in the Kroger app. Get red, green, or black juicy seedless grapes for $1.88 per pound with your card and a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free delicious 12-packs of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.